Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. All right, good morning, everyone. Oh, come on now. Good morning, everyone. There you go, there you go. I needed to hear that today because uh, as, you, as you saw, I was walking last week, right? But today it was just two steps back a little bit. So I had to go back into my wheelchair and uh, relax. But today is still a beautiful day. And I'm glad that uh, everyone came to worship today. For those online, good morning. Glad to see you. Uh, maybe not see you. I can't see you. Sorry. If I can, then whew, I got God's third high right there. <laughs> but anyway... We're going to go ahead and uh, start some worship. If you can stand with us uh, this morning, if not, feel free to stay seated, but uh, stand with us as we begin worship today.
You can be seated if you'd like. Continue to stand and praise with us this morning. It's weird. 
saw that catch I made. That's the Holy Spirit. That wasn't me.
You know, this last song is called This I Believe. And when we come in verse 2, it says, Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you, descended into darkness. You rose in glorious life, forever seated high. Very, very, very much sticks with me this week. Because like I said, you know, I, you know, I, I stand up, I'm walking. And then, you know, my, my back is hurting me so bad. And it's like you, you, you just fall and, and you think, you know, where is God? You know, where is this glorious life that he's talking about? Because it's, it's not for me right now. You know, and I'm just coming to you where I'm coming from this week. So that you, do, so that you know that I'm not just standing up here and singing words and performing for you, because I'm not. I'm not performing for you. I'm worshiping for me. As selfish as that may sound, I'm worshiping for me. And you need to be here in, in your, whatever state that you're in, you need to be here. This is what community is. This is what church is. Yes, we have a nice building. We have two screens now, which is fantastic. And we appreciate that. But we, we need to remember, you need to just, just come as you are. Remember that God is our defender. He's, he's already suffered for us. As much as you might feel suffering now, he's already suffered for us. He's already crucified for us. And that glorious life is coming. It's coming. So let's just sing this last song and just, just remember the, what I'm saying and, and just remember the words that you are singing because this I believe, this is the creed of God. So let's sing this last song. Here we go, church. Our children. 
believe in the saints communion and in your holy church I believe in the You're not already. Deb, where are you? There you are. I wasn't sure if you were going to say something. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of your smiling faces this morning and the sun outside and all of our family and friends online. It's good to have you with us this morning. And thank you, worship team, as you're heading off. Thank you, guys. And Becky. So faithful every week, standing up there playing. Thanks, Becky. Yes. You can yell at me later, Beck. (laughs) Let's pray for our offering this morning. God, thank you. You are a gracious God. And Lord, I thank you for these people who are gracious and kind, Lord, and do so many things behind the scenes that no one ever knows. And they don't do it for the glory. They do it for you and for this community and beyond the four walls of this community. So Lord, we thank you for the offerings that we're about to take up. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you can pass the offering buckets. It's hard to believe this is the first Sunday in March. I want to know where January and February went. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's the first Sunday in March, which means that we have a new ministry to bless with our Change for Change offering. I'd like you to watch this video with me this morning. Before my daughter was born, I struggled to take care of myself. I struggled to... Um, wake up in the morning and do basic, normal things. I struggled with addiction, found recovery. I noticed some behaviors coming back. I left the situation and uh, moved back home where I grew up. So it was just my daughter and I. I didn't know where we were going to live. I was very overwhelmed with what the future looked like. Reached out to Bridge of Hope, had an interview. You have to be willing to say, I can't do this on my own. 
and you need some help. And then you have to be willing to like accept that help. In the beginning, Bridge of Hope was crucial and necessary for me to help me help walk me through the process of, of finding housing and helping me get a job and um, you know become financially stable. The neighboring volunteer aspect, really what took it to the next level. My neighboring volunteers rotate um, and pick up my daughter for me and watch her until I'm able to get off work. They helped me meal plan, cut down costs and time. My first full week at work, I had run out of all of my meal plan that I had put together. And my neighboring volunteer texted me and was like, what kind of pizza do you like? And had pizza you know, delivered to my home whenever my daughter and I got home. These people actually like, want to be a part of my life and be there for me, not like it's a job. Um, and that was a crucial piece to um, just helping us build this bond that I truly feel like they are my best friends. These women who I view as, you know, just amazing and strong and put together and just kind of, I look up to and having them look at me and say like, wow, you're so strong. Like, look how far you've come. Look how much you've done. Um, hearing those words of affirmation has been definitely life-changing for me. I am a strong person. I've learned that, you know, I can make progress. I can um, move forward. I don't have to stay stuck. You know, we all go through periods in our life where we struggle and it's okay. Um, and this is just one of those times where I need a little bit of extra help and um, that gives them this beautiful opportunity to be there for someone um, and that, you know, one day I can be there for someone else in the way that they have been there for me. So our Change for Change offering for the month of March is going to go towards Bridge of Hope. And what happens when a family that's in a shelter needs to, when wants to, and has the longing to move into a home, they don't have a lot of times the, the things required that landlords require, first month's deposit, things like that. So what Bridge of Hope does is help the family with the moving in costs into their own home. And I am very proud and happy to say that we have 11 folks here from Hosanna who are being trained right now to be neighbors to some of these families, which we've started this over a year ago, right, Caleb? And we finally brought the whole team together. Yeah, so we're, ex we're really excited about that. So, yes, the adult class Soul Keeping continues this morning following the message over in the fellowship hall. Now, next week, there's not going to be an adult class. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a Q&A with the folks from Lidditz Christian School who are going to be renting from us after the service. Q&A is going to be here in the auditorium. And as a special treat... Anybody else remember what's happening that day? Donuts, Donuts is happening that day. <laughs> Kevin and Joyce Freimeyer are going to be treating us to some donuts from Donut Envy, their new donut truck. So they'll be here next week, too, as well. It's going to be a fun Sunday. 
Also, the Women's Fellowship will meet um, this Wednesday, February 6th. February. See, I'm still back in February. March 6th, um, over here in the Fellowship Hall from 1 to 3. And Hosanna is going to be hosting a community yard sale Saturday, April 27th. We are announcing this to the church first. We have several people from Hosanna already signed up. But after today, we're going to start advertising it to our community that they can come and have a yard sale. The cost is only $10 for a space, which is pretty cheap. That's great. And I'm sad to say next Sunday is daylight savings time, and we spring forward, and we lose an hour's sleep. <laughs> but that means we get to see the sun longer. That's very awesome. Okay, and with that, I'm going to invite Joanne and Tony up to bring us the message. Do not envy. Isn't envy like a, a sin? I don't know if we should allow that here. We cancel the donuts. No. Yeah, <laughs> then we will have some envy here. I have one more announcement this morning. <clears throat> Has anyone noticed anything different in the, in the auditorium here? <laughs> Isn't this awesome? It's like there's color. It's 15 amazing. years ago yes. or so. Yes. I wasn't not the only one, but I was sitting here just like, daggone it, we got to get a projector on that wall at some point. And there's always been something more important. And some reason at the beginning, at the end of last year, it kind of got the bug again and sort of tapping some people on the shoulder, said something to all of you, and uh, found out that it was going to cost a whole lot more than my, <laughs> my naivete thought was possible. But wouldn't you know, uh, you, God and you good people provided exactly, exactly what we needed to do both projectors. And you can't tell probably from back there, but these, all these lights are brand new. Yes. Which is just improving the whole presentation here, particularly for those of you online. We're hoping that we can give you a clearer, sharper. But this, these things are so sharp and so wonderful. So we, we, we ended up working with a really good company, um, um, owned and managed by a, a, a brother in Christ, who is here this morning just to make sure that the, their handiwork is working well. So Justin yeah, Hershey, where Justin. are you? Oh, he's back in the booth. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Justin. He's with a group that's called Assorted Studios and has his own, has his own gig in there. And so we're just so grateful for the mm -hmm. care that they've given us and all of this. So, yay! Thank you to everybody that made that possible. Well, let's talk about what we're here to talk about today uh, beyond that. Anyone know this lyric from, uh, to me, it's like the most haunting lyric in pop music in the 20th century. I'll trade all my tomorrows for one more yesterday. That's not ring a bell to anybody. It's, uh, it was written by Chris Christopherson. It was sung by Janis Joplin, me and Bobby McGee. Oh. Ah, now we know. Well, at least those of us who are of a certain age. That was 1969, I believe, or whatever. But maybe it's just that I've attached to that one. I just I look at that line and I go, wow. There's times I've felt that way. Mm -hmm. Have you? Mm-hmm. Long so deeply for someone or something you once had and don't have anymore? Maybe for an experience you once had and it's gone away and it's probably never coming back? Yesterday we had a funeral. Sometimes people feel this way at funerals. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your longings are not directed to the past, but 
forward to the future? What are you longing to happen in your life? Is it ever possible that this longing for something or for someone or for to be something in this world will ever be fulfilled? So many people live lives of, of deep sadness and frustration because they haven't been able to live out what it is that they have longed for for so long. Sometimes our longing is not even just for us. They're for our kids or our grandkids. Some of us are in age now where we desire more for them than we do for ourselves at this point. And, of course, some of us feel this deeply, not just for me or the people close to me, but for the whole world. I mean, look at the world. Do you long that things would be different, would be better? Do you long that the violence would stop? Do you long that something would happen that would look like peace and justice for a change? I don't know. I think most of us tap into some of that. That's kind of the universal human experience. In fact, I suggest if you want to know what a person is really made of, you want to get past the pretense a little bit, ask them what they want, what they really, really want. Use a little Spice Girls language. And you'll know that they're telling the truth when a certain light comes on in their eyes, perhaps with a little tear, and their breath gets ragged, and their voice turns to a whisper. Or maybe the, the words start rushing out in a torrent. I had a conversation with somebody this week. We're just having this rational conversation. We're just talking. It's all nice and calm and polite. And then suddenly, I don't know what it was that provoked it, voice got animated and things just started coming out of this person. And I just let it go. And I just smiled and said, now I, now I see. I see what's really inside of you. It's just, it's, it's, it, it, it can't stay inside anymore. It's going to talk, come out. And it's not just other people we get to know in such moments, it's ourselves. Often we stuff down our deepest desires and longings. Some of you are getting a little bit uncomfortable already because we're talking about desires and longings and you don't really want to go there because you're afraid of what would happen if you let yourself feel that a little bit this morning. Because it will come out. We try to deny and we pretend until we can't be silent anymore and then it springs forth from us. Sometimes in anger, and sometimes in tears, and sometimes in, uh, in questions, and sometimes in embarrassment, shame. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in the midst of all that messiness, it's like, yes, yes, this is what I want. More than anything else in the world, this is it. And it matters, and I will not be silenced anymore. I will not keep this quiet. God, you got to pay attention. On Star Trek, which is the source of most of my theology, <laughs> that was the transition you didn't expect. Did you? <laughs> this was the primary distinction between humans and androids. Data in Star Trek Next Generation, one of my favorite characters. Humans want, ache, cry, seek, fear, love, all the emotions. Androids don't. Data gets an emotion ship at one point and starts experiencing emotions and he overloads. He's not equipped for that. We humans don't feel like we're equipped for it sometimes, right? <laughs> right? We make a mistake, however, if we try to distinguish between humans and God like that. Mm-hmm. If we picture God as an android, like some of the early church theologians did. They did an awful lot of good, and there's an awful lot of stuff they passed down to us. But some of those Greek theologians pictured God as their word for it was impassive. God is emotionless. God never changes, and therefore God doesn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, if you look at Scripture, that's not the God you meet there. 
And if you meet God in your own life, that's not the God you run into. The God that we know wants and aches and cries and seeks and, yes, loves, just like we do, in fact, at a level so deeply that we can't convey the depths of it. And so what we feel in our longings and what God experiences in God's longings do somehow have something to do with one another. Scripture says that God does not merely love. God is love. It's not just an action coming out of somebody who may or choose to love or not love, that the core essence of God is love. But what do we mean by that? The problem is, of course, we got this word. we talked about this lots of times here before, that word, the silly and shallow ways that people often talk about love. The Spice Girls are not our model for this, okay? And it works its way into the church, into our theology, into our prayer life. The silly and shallow ways that people of faith have sometimes spoken of God and the way we relate to God. And so we talk about love. Churches talk about love all the time, but often only at that level. And we're not going to come in here and do a message on love and keep it at the silly and shallow level. It's not worth your time to do that. It's not worth our time to prepare it. Fortunately, when we go to Scripture, fortunately... When we go to Scripture, we don't find simple and shallow. If you need that, if you're in an early stage of faith, if you're a baby and you need to know that somebody loves you, that's okay. But when you grow up, it gets more complicated, doesn't it? Here's the other thing about Scripture, and this is fortunate for us, but it doesn't feel that way. We also don't find always easy and comforting images there either. Mm-hmm. We find questions, not just answers. We must wrestle a bit, like Jacob with the angel, with how God is described there and how we experience God. And what the heck does it really mean that God is love in a broken world that despite all its talk seems to know so little of love? So help us do some of that wrestling this morning. We're going to look first to three ways that the deep complexity of God's love is described in Scripture. And we'll lead you through that in just a few moments. And then we'll reflect a bit on what we or have or have not experienced of that love in our own lives, including the questions we may have about it and what we're feeling about it right now. Sean, thank you so much yes. for risking vulnerability this morning because mm-hmm. you're right on key, we're right on cue with what God is inviting us to do this morning as a congregation. Mm-hmm. And we'll try to sort out together what our response to God's love might be. So let's start with the easy part, with most common understanding of love in the New Testament, which for alliterative purposes it today is we're calling, I think we need another slide here. Do we have delight? Yeah, that's the one that we're um, looking at right now. This concept is drawn from a Greek word agape. We've talked about agape love quite often here. Interestingly, we looked it up. Joanne looked it up. It wasn't much used in the ancient world outside the New Testament. When it was used, it was, it was about kind of a general love for humanity in the abstract. It was sometimes translated in other languages as, as charity. It was a, a charity with that compassionate love for the plight of other human beings. You may not know them personally, but you care about them in the abstract. Mm-hmm. But when the New Testament authors applied it to God, they deepened its meaning. Yep. When John said in the Gospel of John that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John used agape, which shows a depth of love that goes far beyond charity. We give away our old clothes. We don't give away our kids. 
This is the ultimate going above and beyond to close the gap between God's pristine, ethereal existence above it all. It's just the way sometimes people picture God. Way often in history, God is out there somewhere, and he's untouched by the travails of human life. Now, their image of it was that God gets involved. God gets his hands dirty. God gets his hands bloody with his own blood by joining us here in this human pigsty. That's the image of the New Testament for agape. Trying to come up with a good example of this, and I, I can't. The best one I remembered was a, a moment from my childhood. My, my, my little sister, she was three or four or something, she grabbed hold of an electric wire, electric fence. There was two of them between our house and my aunt and uncle who lived next door so the cows could walk between us. And <laughs> I, we, we all experienced the electric fence once in a while. There, there was, there was you know, hooks that you could unhook and go through, but we kids riding our bikes thought that took a little bit too much time. So we would just hop off our bikes, duck down low, and, um, and try to screw it underneath. And, of course, um, the back of my scalp, I think, is permanently scarred by the number of times I hit my head on that electric fence. But my little sister didn't know any of that. She's just really young, and she grabs hold of it, and the electric shock was so powerful, that little girl, that her muscles went rigid, and she couldn't let go. And she's just hanging on, and this shock is going through her. And my dad did the the most normal thing possible. He grabbed hold of that electric fence himself and let that electricity go through her while he pried her fingers off. Mm-hmm. I still remember that because it taught me something powerful about love and the pain that it costs us sometimes. Mm-hmm. This isn't ethereal anymore. This hurts. Mm-hmm. And that's agape. But it's more than just sacrifice. This is getting back to where I started. This is a love that longs. God longs, just like we do. His longings are on our behalf, not just his. God doesn't need anything, but he longs that we might flourish, that we might live, that we might be at peace. And yes, we wrestle in such moments with the disparity of what God is longing for and the reality of the world that we live in and the reality of life that we live. Well, God, if you long for it, make it happen. And I... We can't possibly answer that for you, why that disparity exists. But perhaps it is encouraging enough sometimes to just trust that God is already for us and that God delights in our delights and that God delights in us. So that delight then is one thing that we we mean when we say God is love. God is love. Yes! And... That's our theme for the year, right? There are others. I'm going to do two at a time right now because both of them point to love as devotion. Delight, devotion. The word philios is the kind of love enjoyed by friends. Philadelphia, city of brotherly muggings. And storge <laughs> is another word. It's not even used in the, in the New Testament, but it was, it, was, it was common at the time that Jesus and the early disciples were here. It refers to affectionate respect for others, especially family. Mm-hmm. So phil- philia, those that we love with philios, historical love, these are the people to stand alongside of. They're the people we sit down to the table with. They're the people we gladly spend our time with mm-hmm. and look forward to doing so. Many of you have philia, philios, historical love for each other in here. You enjoy mm-hmm. one another. Perhaps when church is over, you're going to go spend some time with somebody that you have this kind of love for. These are the loved ones we do life with. 
And these words also point toward deeper layers of God's love. These images are all over Scripture, but I tell you, they still seem hard to believe much of the time. So yes, we might call God Father when we pray, because Jesus told us to do so, our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. But do we actually imagine a parent who is safe and good? me years to do that, and I still have moments. Likewise, we could sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. But do we really picture then the kind of friend that we can throw back a beer or a Coke with? Somebody we can be totally vulnerable with? Somebody we can trust with our messiest stuff? Somebody we can text at 2 a.m.? Do we imagine a God who loves us so much that he allows us to question, challenge, and even accuse him? We can get away with that sometimes with our friends. Because they know the reality of who we are and what we're dealing with, and they trust that the love is real. The devotional practices of most Christians suggest that we don't yet believe that, this God, in this, that God is this kind of love. The devotional practices of most Christians suggest that most of the time we, we're, we're not reaching out to God. God gets kind of pigeonholed into a corner of our life that's labeled should or ought. Well, I ought to be spending more time in prayer, and I should be doing this. And we think of God as an obligation in our life and not the closest friend we have that we can rely on in everything. We don't yet believe that God is profoundly devoted to us. And coming to trust that this love is true might be one of the single biggest turning points in our spiritual lives. Maybe one of the biggest turning points in how we do life in general. It moves us from religion to, to, to truly intimate faith. So, with agape, philias, storga, we can say that God is love. Yes, and love, and love. So the series is God is something and something. Well, we've already got three somethings, and they're all love. <laughs> yeah. But there's one more, and this mm-hmm. one is the most provocative. Yes. God's love is also expressed as desire, delight, devotion, desire. Many of us have been taught that desiring God are in conflict, and the desires are bad and will lead us away from God. And it's true. Desires can become disordered. Anything can become disordered. And we've all experienced that. But what if, what if, this is radical. By the way, Joanne teaches this. She taught it Monday to a group of students that we, that we had. She's been teaching this for years and does this in a longer and just a really profound way. You, and maybe I can just say, you, I mean, for a moment, <laughs> not, not to, not to, just to say, some of you, because my sense is some of you are wondering when I'm going to start talking because we usually go back and forth. And like Sean was real honest this morning, I I think I was that person that was overflowing with all kinds of st- that you were mentioning earlier. No, I, no, oh, that wasn't. okay. Because was Friday, else. I did. Okay, well then you had a week, didn't you? <laughs> um, just to say, is Jesus Lord? Yes. Do I know in the depth of my being that this man, God, died, was crucified and died and rose again? Absolutely none. Of, but I've got questions. And it's been, what, I don't know, 40-some years for me in relationship. And I'm not shy in bringing my questions to my friend and God. 
And I am struggling right now with all the suffering. I am just asking all kinds of questions. And we're kind of, in every series, we kind of come at it where we plan kind of what, what we think a flow would be for the series or whatever. But it's week by week. We're discerning. And we, so all to say, Friday, we got into this conversation, and it, it was like, yeah, we need to do this. I'm like, I can't say that. I can't talk about that. All I have is questions. I don't know even. But the longing for God that remains underneath all of it, the longing to know what, and that's what we talked about last week, God is known and unknown, right? To be able to just rest in what I can't know, and yet, God, you got some splaining to do, like I love Lucy. You got some splaining to do. And so that's how I'm coming today. Able to know that I know that I know what's real, but wanting to be honest enough, I as a, a person cannot say things this way, like this is true, true, true. I can know that in my head, but it's not just good enough to me to know it in my head. Does this make sense? So in a moment when we get to the other part of what, we, what we'll do, I'll... I'll say more, but this desire thing matters. God is a God of desire. God longed after us, and maybe in the conversation part, we'll get to to some of that, but thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify why I'm being so quiet, because it just, I I don't know what to say. And thank you for being the kind of congregation that allows us to be Mm -hmm. real with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the suffering's just eating my lunch. Every week we pick these topics, and every dang on week we have to try to live it out. <laughs> right. And I say every week it's whatever we're talking about. Get something pushes and prods, and and uh, and what I can assure you is that on Sunday mornings we're never going to preach platitudes because God won't let us do that. Yeah. And that's why we're framing this this way. We could just do a simple, "Hey, God loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know," and that's the end of the story. I'm glad that's there, but uh, it's yeah. deeper and harder than that sometimes. Yep. But that's real. Yeah. So. So where were you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, by the way. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes I'm the one that's agonizing mm-hmm. with the questions. Uh, where was I at here? What is it, is it possible that God actually planted desires in our heart? So they can tug at us and lead us back to God. What if they're a gift? What if they're a grace? And what if God himself actually desires what Joanne was just talking about? Mm -hmm. So that when we long so deeply that we feel our hearts are going to break, we're actually sharing an experience with a brokenhearted God. Wow, that changes things, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You imagine God being brokenhearted? Imagine God longing and for whatever reason, and I can't explain it theologically, not being able to fulfill the longings of, of his own love, of his own heart. That's the question. That's the point, yes. That's it. The Greek word for this is eros. Mm-hmm. And it's used today almost exclusively for romantic or sexual love. It's something erotic. Mm-hmm. And, well, that can't be from God. That's got to be bad. <laughs> Well, it had a bit of that meaning in the New Testament times, but only because it had a broader meaning, which was a love that was specific and individual. Agape refers to a general love for humanity, but eros is a very specific love. This thing, this person, 
You specifically are my beloved. Valentine's Day is all about Eros love. Christmas is about agape. It's one thing to trust that God loves everybody. It's another thing to believe that God loves me. Which is why perhaps teaching children Jesus loves me, this I know might be the best gift we can give them. Maybe it'll resonate when we're 40 years old and we feel like our life is in the dumps and nobody loves me. I love how in the shack, we've referenced this a whole bunch of times, God's the, 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 the God character, the Father character, says of every single character, <laughs> I am especially fond of you. Yeah. Fond may not be a strong enough word here, but especially is. And you, even more so. The you there is singular. God loves you all. I used to laugh at to see Michael Jackson sing back when he was alive. I guess he hasn't sung since then. <laughs> and he'd finish a song, and people would, would clap, and he'd go, I, I love you all. No, you don't, Michael. They don't love you either. They paid money to hear you sing. They're just a mass of humanity. They, you don't know them. God's approach is not like that. God does not see a mass of humanity that he loves in the abstract. He sees every single one of us. Yeah, both and. I mean, he loves humanity yes. and each one. Yeah. And it's especially fun. Yeah. And so with Eros alongside Agape, Sorge, and Phyllis, we can say that God is love, yes, and love, and love, and love. <laughs> yes. And there's probably other meanings that we won't get into here. Mm-hmm. See, our experience of love, God's love, is different from time to time. There are times when we need parental care. And there are times when we need a friend and times when we need assurance that God does indeed love us all. And there are times when we need the lover of our souls in the most intimate sense. Mm -hmm. And there are times, yes, when we may not feel any of those loves. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But it's good to remember that God's love is not dependent on our feelings. Our feelings do not change anything in reality unless we allow them to change us. And God's love is also, this may be surprising, not dependent on our response. God's love is not contingent upon our love. He loved us first. He'll love us to the end. We say this here from time to time in Hosanna, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. God does not withdraw his love if we withdraw ours. How about that for astonishing? Mm -hmm. God does not withdraw his love if we question him or challenge his trustworthiness as a lover. Mm -hmm. God does not reward us with more love if we do what God wants. He's not holding back anything already. See, so much human love is transactional. We give in order to get. It's easy to see why then so much bad religion has bought into the same idea about God. And if you've been taught that, that is an idol that we can toss away because it has done far more harm than good. Mm -hmm. As deeply as God desires our love, God does not shame us to get it, does not manipulate us to make it happen, does not punish us for not offering it. God is extraordinarily loving to us when we doubt and despair and dither and debate. Nice Ds. And I'll go on with 16 more Ds if you want me to. You get the picture. 
But yes, yes, we are invited to love God back. And in the same ways that God loves us. To take delight in God. So that our our spirituality is not just submission to a higher authority. But it's a joy. This is the basis for our worship. Joy. Delight. And to be devoted to God. Because we want him as a companion and a friend and a parent. This is the the basis for our devotional life spirituality. And yes, to desire God, to want God for himself, not just for what God can do for us. And this is the basis for our trust. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't ever actually happen ever fully in this life. It doesn't happen without struggle, without aching, without wrong turns, without false loves identified and discarded along the way. There are far too many things that we have turned into God in our life that are not worthy of that name, of that kind of devotion, or desire, or delight. Mm-hmm. And yes, sometimes in this process, we find that we have, we have simply traded one longing for another. But maybe the one longing that we now inhabit is a holy longing. Mm-hmm. It leads to somewhere good in the end. I don't think anybody has ever expressed this better than Augustine of Hippo. I don't like a lot of his theology. He lived 1,600 years ago. St. Augustine, somebody in Florida named the city after him. Augustine, for we Americans who pronounce everything differently. Augustine described his own experience of learning to receive and return the love of God like this. He said, you called, you shouted, you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, and now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and now I burn for your peace. Mm -hmm. And some of us here know know what he meant, don't we? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to prepare, as we have been over the past weeks, to talk about this together particularly about desire and longing. I'm going to read a very uh, evocative contemporary poem that's similar to Augustine's writing. And it's a poem in which the poet is trying to describe a mystical prayer experience in which she was so deeply known and fully satisfied, like every longing satisfied in God, that in that experience, what she's trying to communicate, what it was like that God's living, loving presence was all there was. And it was all that most deeply mattered, which we know is tr- it's true, capital T, true, that's true, but we don't always experience it. So you can close your eyes if you wish. Just allow yourself to become aware of God's presence in the way that you know God's presence. You don't need to make anything happen here. Just listen, notice your your own experience. And you held me, and there were no words, and there was no time, and you held me, and there was only wanting and being held and being filled with wanting, and I was nothing but letting go and being held. And there were no words, and there needed to be no words, and there was no terror, only stillness. And I was wanting nothing, and it was fullness. 
and it was aching for God, and it was touch and warmth and darkness and no time and no words. And we flowed and I flowed and I was not empty and I was given up in the dark and in the darkness I was not lost. And the wanting was like the fullness and I could hardly hold it. And I was held and you were dark and warm and without time and without words and you held me. And just notice, reflect for a moment. And as you're ready, you know how this goes. And for some of you who may be new with us, mic up here. There's a mic, a traveling mic, and I'm not sure who's got it. Okay. Um, Travis has it. And this is where we get to talk to each other as store gay, friends and family, and filias, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, talk to God. What's rising in you? What questions do you have? What are you noticing about what Tony was saying and about the love of God? Okay, wow, we got, all right, let's, We'll start here and maybe, well, you're back there. Let's start back there. (laughs) I'll try to make a quick comment. Um, So I just texted a friend. um, A really long story short, just yesterday, he got a call from a detective saying that they found the remains of his wife that were lying on the side of a highway for 15 months, and he couldn't. And I've been talking to him and walking through this uh, suffering that you were just talking about and and the suffering that I've been going through. And uh, God's love has poured out uh, in us that we have encouraged each other so much that our walks with the Lord have just been abounding in the last six months uh, with just a, I'll call it a minor setback, although we're thankful finally for the closure that they were receiving Mm -hmm. because they didn't know what happened to her. She just walked out one day in Ambien and, and with uh, sleepwalking, and that was it, sincere. And um, so God's love has poured out in our relationship, has brought us deeper uh, together, deeper in a relationship with, with him yeah. through this whole process. Mm-hmm. And once the grieving cycle really starts all over again for him, I am sure that his uh, God's love pouring out to him um, and all of us is going to be uh, over overflowing. Like our cups are just going to be overflowing, and um, it's just going to be amazing. So, I just that was I was hoping there would be an open mic part that I could share that. So, yeah, I mean, his name is Mark. He's got three kids, and he's my age. 
And he was right up there when we got married. He was in our wedding. Yeah, yeah. thanks, John. I know. You're reminding me, too. You know, in the Christian tradition, there's, there's a lot about Western theology that is just, it's needing to fall apart right now because it's a too small story about who God really is. But there's also that that in, this, in the Christian tradition that says, okay, we as humans cannot understand everything. The longing itself and the waiting, right? So we're, he's waiting. For 15 months, I can't even imagine that. Where is his wife? What happened to her? That, but waiting with you. So this reality that when we've done everything we can do and there's nothing else we can do and we're still there in that waiting place with all the longing, what we can do is allow the longing, that tension expands us. Augustine said this and others and Thomas Traherne in the 17th century. It expands our capacity and it's preparing us, it's just what you're saying, it prepares us to receive what we can't understand right now. But we've got to be stretched. We've got to let go of some of these two small things that we're clutching onto and let go so that we can receive what it is that God's wanting us to have. But it's the process. But we get to be waiting companions together. We get to be a community of waiting together. Yeah. Like she was, she was uh, hit and run. Like middle of the night, kind of someone probably didn't see her, and oh, and wow. so she died probably pretty quickly. Uh, one of the concerns was, as a you know, forty-five-year-old beautiful Latina woman, that she was chained up in someone's basement, and right. we were scared and worried a little bit, but we were trusting God that she was with him the whole time. Mm -hmm. But in the back of our minds, Dateline NBC was there, you know, so thankfully, God's love was poured out that he protected her from somebody picking her up and taking yes. her. So, And yet, that's some of the question, isn't it? Because that comforting... And yet, there's a lot of young women who are right now in the situation you were fearing. Is God there? Yes. But see, we as the church, as the body of Christ, have got to get to a place where we can ask the questions of God. It's like, you know, in the Old Testament, the longing in the Psalms. How long, O Lord? See, that's where I am right now. It's in that longing. And that's where I can stand here. I can stand here and say exactly where I am. I know from the past that this is leading somewhere for me personally, but also for all of us into some greater freedom. Because what I'm learning, freedom is focused desire. Focused desire. Ordered desire. We're free when we are able to long like God does, because God longs after us. Thomas Traherne, again, he says, God, we're created in the likeness and image of God. This is a stunning thing. God gave us desire as we were created in God's own likeness because God is a desiring God. And it, our desire, ordered, is part of what God said was very good in the very beginning. 
We've called it bad. We've said, oh, you can't desire anything. I talk to spiritual direct, I talk to people all the time in spiritual direction. And the question I ask a lot is, and what do you want? What do you want God to do for you? It is heartbreaking how many times it is a blank stare. People, you know what Christians say to me? Well, I didn't know I couldn't want anything. I thought I was just supposed to care about other people. No. God gave us, this is fuel. That energy, that energy that is generated in our desires and our longings, when it's focused in a direction that's life-giving, and that's all really truly is about love, see, then we're free. We're free. Does it make sense? There's a freedom, a spiritual freedom in that. Okay, there were, sorry, <laughs> John and I are talking back and forth, but I feel you all listening. Who's somebody, who had your hands up over here? I thought there was someone, was it, I, oh, Julie. I know there was another, somebody put their hand down. Maybe we said what they were going to say. Um, some of you have heard this story. Um, I longed for years to have the love of my family and my parents. And as a little girl, I never understood why. They loved my brother. They didn't love me. And moving along in my adult life, my first real sense of love was during a worship service where I felt like God said to me, you can sit upon my knee. I never had the freedom to just sit on my father's lap when I was little. So it started that restoration of healing and longing. God sort of put that in place. I am married 50 years to a wonderful man who has been loving the whole time. We're not perfect, but he's loving and he's open. And his first gift to me was a puppy. (laughs) I love puppies. So moving forward, I began to recognize that both my parents were very broken people. And my father came back from the war, probably with PTSD. But it still didn't settle that, why didn't they love me? So when my mother at 80 started into the early phases of dementia, she recognized that she was losing her memory. And one day, as I was visiting her, I took her out. I had a convertible, we put the top down, we went for burgers and hot fudge sundaes, which were my mom's favorite food. And as I brought her back to the nursing home, she said, I want you to know that I'm gonna forget this. As soon as I go in my room, I won't remember where I was, but I remember now. And I had a great day, and I love you. Yes. Yes. It took my mom 
losing her filters to be able to express that love. Yes. Yes. And what that has done for me is it's allowed me to just have some healing and some peace that I'm not this awful person and I'm not this unlovable being. Um, I'm going to make this really quick now. We adopted a child when she was older, and she was the most difficult being I've ever had in my life to love. She pushed us away. She bit us. She fought us. She kicked us. She did anything she could do. She fought, and she was a survivor. And I went into counseling because I didn't have maternal love for her. And that was a really big deal to me. I didn't want her to not feel love. And the counselor told me, Corinthians 13, and she said, love is patient and love is kind and is slow to anger and it keeps no records of wrong. I think you display God's love to her, not emotional love. And that, I think, is far pleasing yeah. to God. Yeah. yeah, and that's a really good illustration of what Tony was saying earlier. It's not the feelings for us. You were being loving as God is loving for her, even though the emotions weren't there for you. But the other thing, while there's mics going around, I'm also hearing in what you're saying something that's really important Remember, we were talking about how God is a desiring God who created us in God's own likeness and image, to desire like God does. Here's the thing. You know, in the story in the beginning, we fixed our desire on something else other than God. We desired the fruit on the tree. Whatever, you know, that's representing. We turned and we, we reached out and we grabbed it, took it to ourselves, and it disordered our desire does that make sense? Disordered desire. Here's the thing. Disordered human desire feels like something's missing. It feels like emptiness, bad emptiness, hollowness. Like I've got to get something. And so what we do is we find all kinds of addictions and all kinds of things that we can grab and get attached to to throw in the hole that feels so empty. But it never satisfies us, does it? No. Because that's not what we're desiring. It's a disordered desire. So all to say, in Christ, Christ comes, the Spirit comes, dwells within us, and then restores to us in the core of our being the goodness of the desire of God that there's a place in us where we are wanting what God wants, and God is wanting for us to trust our wanting. Does it make sense in him? God longs out, God longs and flows out in love towards us in desire. And it is fullness. We talked last week about God's infinite. He longs out of infinite fullness, inexhaustible. God loves and loves and loves and gives and gives and desires and longs and all, and it's always full. If we could accept, realize and accept that that is what's true about us. So that's what I'm drawing on. As I'm, I didn't even want to be up here, but okay, I can do this. Not me. 
because I've got a lot of stuff just moving around in the questions, and oh my gosh, I know God's gonna, God's gonna respond, but in this, I don't, I don't know what to do. With, I can't even watch the news anymore. I just don't even know what to do with all of that. But I can go down through all of that into the place where it's always calm and always peaceful, where I experience that, what that woman was, the, the poet was talking about. It's empty, but it's full. There is a fullness that overflows and overflows and continues to want what God wants in the world, even though I don't understand why God's not doing it. Does it make sense? In Christ, all of the Godhead dwells in us in fullness. In Christ, we have everything we need. The fullness of God is here. The question is simply, are we going to do that work of letting ourselves feel all the tension so we can get to a place where no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's happening around us or even in us, in our mind, anyway, we can stand in that place where it's overflowing fullness. It's abundance. There's nothing missing. See, you felt like that as a child, of course. But it was, it was real, and it was an illusion all at the same time. Does it make sense? Does that, is that helpful? Am I just being, okay. Whose hand was up? So I saw some hands. Yeah, I'll be good for you here. Oh, over here and then over there. What time is it? Okay, go. All right, real <laughs> quickly, three expressions of God's love for me in my times of desire were God carried me through three weeks of unconsciousness, and then he brought Marianne to me in a time of need. And then he brought Watson to both of us. Life's yeah. good. Exactly. The grace is always there. Yep, always. Oh, over here. Yeah, part of what's fueling this is, most of you know, my granddaughter has uh, got a, what appears to be a lifelong condition that is uh, quite debilitating. So a lot of the questions are rooted in that, too. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and like I said earlier in worship, I usually don't talk in church because I'm up front enough. But, uh, you know, I'm the same place. You know, there are all the questions, you know. Mm -hmm. I have no, I guess my, my, a lot of my questions and stuff, you know, I have plenty of desire for God and devotion to God, and that's why I can stand up there and do my worship, because I need to do that. Um, that desire is there. But there's still a lot of questions. Um, and I think some of the questions, you know, a lot of it's health issues, but a lot of it, I guess I get angry in those questions mm. when it deals with my family. If it was just me, I wouldn't have an issue. But there's plenty of things happening that affect my family. Yep. And, and, and it's, it's, it's very angering right now. And there's nothing I can do about it. Yep. Um, but then also, too, in those questions, you know, God does have answers, yep. you know. And there's little things that happen. And, and you know, I'm very appreciative of those things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I have no control yep. of these things right now. Yep. No control. None. And that is such grace. Because yeah. we really don't. 
No. We can do what we can do as humans, but ultimately control, we don't really have a lot of control over the big things. But I, I just want to say, you know, I, I have plenty of questions too. Yeah. I can stand up there and I, I can desire yeah. and put my devotion into God and love God, yep. but I still have plenty of questions. Yep. And that sacrifice of praise, Sean, is a gift to us too. It was a gift to me today, you know, and even what you shared. And that's why we need to have these kind of conversations so we can hear each other. And it normalizes being human. Because we all feel like this. Maybe not today, or, but there are points in all of our lives where we feel like this. We're longing. And we can feel alone and isolated in it. And to know that we're able to have these kind of conversations where we can say, okay, do I, like I, start, I said earlier, is God real? Yep. Did Jesus rise from the dead? We were singing it this morning, and we don't plan. We don't know what that, what's going to be. Yes, I'm sitting there going, yep, it's true, it's true, it's true. And we walk by faith and not by sight sometimes. And it gives us an opportunity for us to encourage one another, to hold each other up, but also to listen, to just listen without having to, like, pat. Nobody needs to pat me and try to make it better. You know what I mean? We don't have to like walk up and say, well, this is how you could fix this, or if you would believe that, or if you would pray this way. No. It's just part of being human. And we get to be human, but we get to do it together. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Okay, who? There was somebody. We only have a few more minutes. Okay. One here, and then one there, and I think we'll come back over to Tony. I know, but they can... Small... There's plenty of time. <laughs> this matters. All right. Well, I haven't been here for one of these because I've been at college, but hi, everybody. I'm back. Hi. <laughs> um, so recently, I, uh, in January, went through a breakup because I realized that I was in the relationship for the wrong reasons, realizing that I was looking for love somewhere um, in that relationship that I wasn't getting from other relationships, like friendship-wise. And um, I had a conversation with my friend Jared about it, and uh, he said something that just stuck with me and that I felt like I should share here, that um, I wanted to find my love in my friendships because I felt like I was kind of insecure in my friendships. And he looked at me and he said, you know, that's good and all. And he goes, but when are you going to be able to find that love from God? And when are you going to let God love you? Like, you know, I could have, I feel like there's like worship songs and there's, you know, places in scripture that say it, you know, like I could have all the, you know, all the things in the world, but, you know, like what's it worth if it's not for God and of God? And what's, you know, if he's Mm -hmm. not at the center, then what's it really worth? Mm -hmm. Like, um, total out-of-context scripture moment, but, like, um, what if I uh, had, like, all the riches, like, um, but I lost my soul or something like that? I forget Uh exactly how it's phrased. But that one really came to mind, just, you know, the idea of, you know, just actually being in that relationship with God to a point where I can, you know, not have anything on earth and still realize that the love of God is what matters and what, you know, should be. Yeah where I get my love from. Because ultimately, you're the treasure. Ultimately, you're the one that God is desiring most, and all of us. 
we keep turning our attention away to created things in an attempt to fulfill our own desires, to be our own God, to be in control. It's all of it's a gift. It's such grace to have those moments where it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm seeking treasure out there. I'm the treasure. You are, we are the treasure to God, and God is our treasure. And then when that love relationship is established, which it's never perfect on our end, but it is on his, yeah, they're gonna, we're going to have our struggles, but ultimately we get reordered and then there's freedom. See, then we can have whatever it is in the world. God is free to allow us to have or not have, like you're saying, because it's not signaling to us whether we're worthless or whether we have worth, whether we have that thing or if God allows us to do that or what. We're free to have things, to have relationships without them having us. Yay for you. God, you're doing good things at college. Okay, okay. Linda, I think you read the last one, but it's got to be real short or else Tony's going to talk to me later. (laughs) (laughs) The clock matters. (laughs) Well, that just lightened my mood a little bit because I'm a little bit nervous about sharing this, but um, I really connected with that poem you read, Joanne, and um, also what Julie shared about the desire to be held and to be held in God's love. And um, recently, as when I'm in bed at night and I'm about to fall asleep, I have really felt in the stillness and in the silence and in the desire to rest that God is holding me. Yes, exactly. Yay! (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Linda. Thank you all. I'm always so grateful. We say this so often, but we teach in other places. I just continue to tell you, we can't always have conversations like this. It just shows the depth of your, your own spirits and your own relationships with Christ and your trust and your faith, and I am forever grateful to be part of this family. Okay, I'll stop. You ready for a summary of what I think I heard? Yes. God asks us always, what do you want? We ask God often, how long, O Lord, till my soul feels satisfied? And God and we both say in such moments, I love you anyway. How then shall we live in in love in a disordered world? We allow Christ to reorder our desires so we can live in freedom. We give up control, which is also freedom. We feel God holding us. Yes. We still choose to love, 1 Corinthians 13 type of love, which is not feelings, but difficult actions. And we get to live in a community of companions who are waiting and loving together. Amen. That was really good. All right, closing blessing is a promise. It's a promise that God is longing to fulfill all of the longings of our lives and will do so. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Let's stand and pray our closing prayer together.
This is not a prayer of um, firm commitment. You can pray that if you're there, but this is a prayer of desire. Mm -hmm. Good, Good and gracious, and gracious God, God, give us, give us grace, grace today, today to trust. trust. That, that you, you are, are the source of all that is good. good. You, you are, are the giver of every, every gift. And you are the satisfaction of our deepest desires. As we delight ourselves in you, let, let us be delighted by you and be a delight to you. Transform our desires, we pray, that we might desire as you desire that, that we might, might be in some way the fulfillment of your desire for ourselves, for your, for your church, church, for our world. Yes, may it be so, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Thank you. For you. Yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings in your desiring.